The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. Austin FC had a very busy week this last week, uh, so we're going to talk through all of that. There's more news coming this week, which we are not going to talk about it because we decided to go ahead and uh, and record on Monday night, even though there is green smoke uh, flowing in Twitter. There's so much news that we decided just to go ahead with this batch of news, and then if the news is big enough and we have time, we might do a second show this week. Uh, if it is not big enough or we don't have time, y'all just have to wait until next Tuesday to listen to us talk about it. But in any case... My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. I believe you said in either on Twitter or on Slack, you know, the problem is there's always tomorrow. And yeah, tomorrow people are like, more sh- news. Should, what, like, when are y'all going to learn? You should just start recording on Tuesdays. And like, they would just record, on, they would just announce it on Wednesday then. And so, yeah, I don't think there's anything we can do about it, but such is life. Yeah. So, do we want to apologize to a Carol G? Or, yes. Okay, we I, should do that. I put I put this on Twitter. I hope she saw it, but um, I I made the claim that Carol G, recording artist Carol G, was engaged to an uh, FC Dallas player. I confused her with another recording artist named Becky G, who is not the same person as Carol G. <laughs> Becky G is engaged to Sebastian Legette, uh, and in my tweet I said. I wanted to apologize to Carol G because I know she has more self-respect than to be engaged to an FC Dallas player. So, Carol, I, I apologize. We'd love to have you on the show sometime. Perfect. And I learned that Becky G and Carol G this spring made a reggaeton song together. So if you want to get all of it, you can go check out Miami with three E's on the end of it. I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> three I's. I mean, three I's on the end of it. So... Austin FC players reported to their first training session today. They, I think they reported on Thursday or Friday for physicals and just kind of checking in at the training center, but this is the first day they're on the pitch. It was open to the media, and um, a few players and Josh Wolf spoke to the media. Is A, Jeremiah, did you get a chance to read Phil's article or watch the video? And B, did you, do you feel like you learned anything from what the players said? <laughs> No, I, d- I didn't get a chance to read the article. I saw all the photos. I think the thing I thought was really interesting that I think is good out of that is there, were, there was a lot of media there. And I know when you went to some stuff early last year, maybe, or like the striker guys would go to things early last year, like they were the only media at the event. But it seemed like every TV station had people out there. Like there's there's a real buzz about Austin FC, which was cool to see. And then we also got the uh, handsome boys on the first day of training, which I'm sure got handsome boys modeling football club all excited about... Uh, about the players and their new haircuts and everybody had been working out during the off season. Yeah. That was the little, just like a very simple video of just guys getting out of their cars and walking into the training center. But I, it got me really excited, but also it showed a familiar face, familiar face, familiar face, and then cuts to, Oh yeah. Jossie Zardes is on the team now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Whoa. And I like got like, excited i i don't i've said this on the show i i'm excited about jesse's artists i know that's not the case for everyone but um i got like really excited when i saw him on the screen and um ready for ready for this preseason to get started so what did you learn you did watch the video i think out of what you saw i did um i think 
mostly, I mean, a lot of the players just kind of talked about how excited they are to be there. Uh, this is the f- first probably extensive we ex- extensive thing we've heard from Zardes. Uh, he talked for a few minutes to the media and was just saying how excited he is to get in and start learning the system, learning from the other players, um, how he can fit into it. And so uh, it, it just kind of confirmed what I felt like we already kind of, we already knew about a player like Zardes who is a student of the game, like wants to learn and his intelligence is part of why he's good at what he does. And the way he talked about getting acclimated to this team, I think confirmed that part of it. Um, Another thing that I learned that was, maybe we learned it. I'm not sure if we did, but Brad Stuver was talking about uh, Matt Bersano, the new goalkeeper that was brought in. And when you're saying, yeah, it's exciting to have Matt here. It's also exciting to have Eric here and just said, Eric. And I was like, wait, who's Eric? (laughs) And so I posted this in, LV Slack and uh, Harrison will give give him a shout out, but he was doing some internet sleuthing and said that there is a 23-year-old goalkeeper um, that was playing for LA Galaxy 2 but is currently a free agent. So potentially another goalkeeper in camp trying to earn one of these these last spots. May not even be him, maybe a completely different Eric. But <laughs> uh, I think the best thing that came out of this... Um, this little press conference during training today was Josh Wolf mentioned, not even hinted towards outright said, we continue to look for another center back. And so talking about uh, bringing in Leo Weissenden said, I think the plan is for Weissenden to be the starter. That's why we brought, brought in a guy of his caliber. Uh, Kip and Romagna will continue to kind of challenge for minutes and try to try to work their way up. But then, explicitly said we are still looking for a center back so with that green smoke in Anthony Precourt's timeline today um, do we think that's what it's going to be is it going to be a center back or do you think it's going to be some some other position well that's the strange thing about this one is so far this offseason the everything we've seen has been rumored right like there's been a long lead up to that and we've only got one I mean there's a there's this one Turkish center back that we talked about either last week the week before that's a possibility Knowing that I'm going to be wrong by the time anybody listens to this show, I'm going to say that it's it's not going to be a center back. It's going to be some other depth piece, maybe like on the wing or a fullback, maybe from within the league. And that's who this signing is going to be. Yeah. So the the guy you're mentioning was Hassan Kurachai, who there's there's been nothing else come out about that. Like there's a couple of little rumors on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. And that's been kind of it. Like anything else that's popped up seems to be kind of that same rumor recycling itself. Um, I think the, there's like fan frenzy around Alexander Collins, which you helped create by the way. Yeah, I think probably so, (laughs) but there's been absolutely no reporting that like connecting Collins to Austin FC. I think the latest from like anybody's reporting on that is Boca juniors is interested and even that seems like a little bit loose, not a super concrete, uh, concrete report. And then that Atlanta United is going after him. Um, so, I mean, it could be him, but like there's been zero linking outside of just internet speculation by people like us. Uh, 
And so I, I look at the rest of the roster, and I think the the spot where depth is actually still needed is on the wing. If you look behind Diego Fagundes, there's just not a lot there right now. Um, and I guess we can. Do we have something about Rodney in the in the show notes here? Let's go ahead and talk about Rodney here while we're on the subject. So. Rodney Redes, there's been some stuff on Twitter over the last few weeks about him potentially going to, uh, is it Olympia? Is that what the team is called? Right, that's the one. Yep. That seems to have resurfaced. Again, not a lot of concrete reporting, but... um, but a lot, but a lot it, of like a guy who knows a guy has heard that something's going on, right? Yeah. And, and from multiple places. I feel like it's not, unlike the other one you're just talking about, I don't feel like it's the same rumor being recycled over and over again, that it's like coming from different sources at least. Right. And it, there's like, yeah, it seems to be like people in Paraguay and people here are talking about it almost separately. It's not, it's not the, the tweet cycle happening here. So, I mean, that would free up a roster spot to fill uh, another, another winger in. So yeah, who knows? Well, again, you all know by the time you listen to this, most likely, (laughs) um, but those kind of seem to be the spots where there do need to be some, uh, some reinforcing. Let's talk about, you mentioned his name. Let's talk about the, one of the players in this is again, I think this announcement came out on Tuesday after we had speculated, uh, that Clement Diop might be coming to Austin. That is Matt Bersano. So he joins Austin on a two-year contract through the end of 24 with a club option for 25. Uh, he played for the San Jose Earthquakes from 27 through 2022, which means he was a backup of Andrew Tarbell, probably, at some point. I think they, from reading through that year, it seemed like they were kind of challenging for the same spot at various times. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so he spent three seasons with Reno, 1868 of the USL. 2017, 2018, 2019, and then with the Earthquakes 2021, 20, 22. I mean, I, I don't know a lot about him. Did you did you watch anything on him? No, and like I don't I don't know that much about goalkeeping anyway, so I don't know how <laughs> much it would have helped, but it seems to be like the profile that you want in a backup keeper. Like a guy who has started games, who has looked okay in the MLS minutes he's gotten. Um but is not going to be upset sitting behind one of the best keepers in the league. Yeah, and that's, so, that's the important part. You're not, nobody, you're not bringing in somebody to compete because there's no competition at all. Right. So we were, we were speculating about Clement Diop last week. Even though it was not Diop that got signed, it is a very similar profile. I think they're both really close to the same age. Bersano's 30. Um, guys who are kind of settled into or like probably have accepted that they're not going to be the starter for an MLS team at this point in time. And so we'll be um, not going to have an attitude about it. They're going to come in and, and know that they're number two. We'll try to get the minutes that they can. And God forbid something happens to Suver that he'll be there ready to, to step in and get those minutes. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the kind of guy you want for your number two keeper. Yeah, and I think the other thing that, you know, people, some people, I don't, you know, like, like Damian Loss, uh, and that was sort of the discussion online last week was, what does this signing mean for Damian Loss? I think it means he's going to get to play a lot of minutes at Austin FC, too, yeah. which is probably what you need out of your 20 or maybe 21-year-old goalkeeper with some potential right now. Yeah, um, 
not having a second team and injuries have prevented a lot of guys like Damian Loss playing for Austin FC over the last couple of years. It's prevented them from getting real minutes and probably has slowed down their um, their improvement and their progression as a player. This is going to be a chance for Damian Loss will very likely get a bunch of minutes, whether he's playing for Austin 2 or playing somewhere else. Like he's going to get a lot of minutes, which, yeah, that's what a young goalkeeper needs. All right, and then the other official signing, I don't know how much more we need to go into this other than the details of it, but Leo Weissenden officially came to town last week. Uh, this is a four-year contract to the end of 2026 with an option for 27. It's important to remember that he is a young guy, which is why you can do a deal like that. Um, spent the last three years with Elfsborg in Sweden, I don't know, four goals and four assists. But yeah, he's only 25, uh, which I think Did, is a good thing. Was that uh, the contract length actually reported anywhere? Or is this the only place we saw it from like uh, an Instagram post from his agent? No, I got that off the, off the Austin FC press release. Oh, was it on there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I missed that. Um, Yeah. Again, he's 25. So that's, that's a good length deal. It also, another thing that that does is giving a longer contract uh, because the transfer fee counts towards the salary budget. Um, it's amortized throughout the length of the contract, throughout the length of the contract. So a longer contract means a smaller cap hit per year. And so it'll also help out with that because we had to pay that transfer fee for him. Um, yeah, looking, we kind of said who he is. He's a tall center back, good on the ball. I think that's kind of where we left it. So kind of going through the things we knew. And then after watching some more film on him uh, a year later, because most of the film that I had watched was from years prior um, and nothing from this, this last season. And so having watched some games from him this season, we already knew he's very comfortable on the ball. Uh, new things that I wanted to kind of double check or confirm is looking at his size. I think we were all afraid that maybe he's going to be too slow to be paired with Julio Cascante. After watching some some more film on him, he's not a slow guy. Like for for his size, he actually moves really well. And I think there's there seem to be two guys playing next to him in various games. I think he's the more mobile of Elfsborg's center backs, uh, regardless of who else is on the field with him. And so he's act he's actually able to defend in open space. Like I know there's a lot of times when. Julio would uh, get pulled out into open space and would just pull a guy down, just be like, I can't do this. Or if he was like out in open in open area trying to track a guy or mark someone, he would essentially just run in a straight line and hope for re for reinforcements to come. Vizenin is not that that player. He will actually go after guys and properly defend in open space 1v1 um, and, and is pretty good at it. And so He's, he also seems like a really confident player. Um, he's brave with the ball and defensively. And so he takes a lot of risks that I think a lot of players wouldn't even try to. And it's not because he's stupid. It's because he backs himself. And so it's, I think we talk about like Kip Keller maybe doing things sometimes because he doesn't know any better. <laughs> Vicenin seems to me a little bit more that it's like he's just very confident and he he believes that he's going to win that ball or he believes he's going to pull off this pass or believes he can take a touch around this this pressing forward. Um I'm guessing this season that's going to cause him to have a few blunders that maybe 
and maybe get punished for them. But it's because he plays boldly, and I think that's the thing that that Josh Wolf will like about him. And hopefully, he he creates more than than he gives up. But it seems like it is very much going to be one of those guys. Um, the last thing is his long passing. I think that's the thing I noticed last year when when watching film on him. And it, it's not just that he's like a pretty good long passer, which he is, but he seems to have just like this instinct to play balls like that. I, I don't know if, if you think this or not, but it feels like to me that a lot of Austin players, when they play a long ball, it's like very slow and it's that they had to think about it for a long time and looked for four short passes before they ever thought about playing it long. And by the time it's happening, it's kind of telegraphed and everybody knows where it's going. Vizenin is very much the guy like somebody will play him the ball. He takes one touch, is able to look up very quickly and just ping it across the field without really even um, like pondering it too much and can catch a defense off guard, can uh, spring a player into some open space before the defense has the time to adjust to it. And so I think he he brings a skill set that Austin FC has never had anywhere on the field, uh, whether it be at a midfielder or or on the back line. So I guess we won't know this without uh, you know until we find out what comes out of the rest of the offseason. But do you see him? Do you see him starting alongside Julio or, or replacing Julio? Like are they different enough players that you put them both on the field at the same time? Yeah, I think so. I I do not think he is less mobile than Ruben Gabrielson. Um, so I, 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 after watching this second round of, of video on him, I feel confident having those two guys on the field right now. If those are the only two center backs, if, if like we're going into the season with this current with, back, with a group we have yeah. stable, uh, if we bring in someone else, then Julio might, might be, uh, fighting for his t- fighting to keep his spot anyway, but at the moment, uh, yeah, the starters are going to be Vison and, and Cascante. Yeah, and a little quirk on this in terms of needing depth is Vison has made twenty three appearances for this fin- Finnish senior men's national team, um, including quite a few like in recent years. So it's it's probably our first like full national team player that's not going to be available to international windows. So we're going to need the kind of depth that Austin hasn't had to worry about in the past too. Yeah, absolutely. And MLS has gotten better about um, about pausing play during international windows, but they still don't do it during all of them or not for the full window. And so if he continues to get called up to the Finnish national team, we will be missing him. And so, yeah, we're, we're going to need some other guys to step up. And then we also, we officially got the news that Ruben Gabrielson was out. I think, you know, that was long rumored. Um, we kind of expected that there was something going on other than just not liking the heat. Uh, and so I think well, it was actually a quote that Ruben uh, put in the, it was in the press release when he went out. Though it's difficult to say goodbye to Austin FC as a parent of a child who requires special care, returning to Lillestrom in Norway is what's best for me and my family at this time. I'll always have, I'll always have fantastic memories and friendships from the year I spent in Austin and want to thank the fan base for their incredible support. So I think it tells the story about what else was going on other than just a guy who came in for a year and then decided he wanted to leave, even though he was under contract. Yeah. And so, Um, we did not get any information about whether or not Austin received any kind of transfer fee for him or not. Um, did did, did they say, they didn't say anything in the press release about like termination of contract or anything like that. It just said he's going to Lillestrom. He just said he's going to Lillestrom. Right. No, there was that. There was definitely not a, there was not a, anything about termination of the contract, the mutual, mutual, you know, termination. So I think it was just a transfer but like no nothing about whether money changed hands or anything like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like, it, it's again, I think we kind of speculated on this, that regardless, it seemed like the club was just kind of doing a player solid and, um, it's, it's not ideal from, from like a budget space perspective, because if you receive a transfer fee for Ruben and then you can use some of that money on Vicenin, that works out a little better. But, uh, I think we can hope that the good karma will, will help Austin out in, in recruiting players in the future. Yeah. And I wanted to touch on that a little bit on the good karma and the recruiting players thing. Cause I did see this thread of people, at least on Twitter who are like, Oh, well, Austin shouldn't just let this player walk away. You know, that walk away because he doesn't want to play. And that's just going to give Austin as a reputation as a place that lets players walk all over him. But I feel like this is a very unique situation. And that on the aggregate, this is good for the club to have a reputation as a place people want to play if they recognize situations like this one that are fairly unique and like allow that to happen and work with a player on it. Yeah. And like, I think especially the kind of culture that Austin has tried to cultivate around this team so far. Um, I, I think it behooves them more than trying to be like hard nosed businessmen, because if you're like a big time transferring team, that's kind of your business is, is ingoing and outgoing transfers. That's your bread and butter. Like maybe playing a little more hardball does, does help you a little more, but most MLS teams are not that at the moment. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think it, like the player, player surveys that went out at the end of last season, players want to play at Austin. Players want to play for Josh Wolf. Players want to play at Q2 Stadium. And I think things like this will will only help that. Well, we had one more player out that I think we were interested in seeing, and that was Tomas Pochettino. Austin had a very, very short press release. I think it was one sentence long. That announced today the club had reached an agreement with Brazilian side uh, Fortaleza for the transfer of uh, Tomas Pochettino out. What do we... A very important word in that sentence, though. The, word, the transfer? word transfer? Yes. Yes. And so that one was very short. If you looked at Fortaleza's release, it also said something to... It, it actually it had more, more information. It said that they had acquired 80% of the rights to Tomas Pochettino. And so that this seems to be the way that this kind of thing gets reported in South America is like percentage of rights. Essentially what that means is Austin retains a 20% sell-on for Tomas Pochettino of any future transfer fees. And so my guess, I mean, A, it's like that's a huge deal that it, this isn't just kicking the can down the road another year, right? It's a proper transfer. He is off the books. Um, so we're not going to have to worry about having too many DPs or not having enough allocation money to fit him back into the roster. If he, for, for whatever reason does have to come back after this year, that's not a risk anymore. He's gone. He's belongs to Fortaleza. The fact that we retain that 20% sell on, it makes me think that probably this transfer fee was really low. Right, right. And, and yeah, the speculation basically that there might be some future value out of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're just saying like, take him, give us a little bit of money. And then if you have, if he does kill it and you sell him again, we want a little bit of that too. And we'll call that good. Yeah. But you know, that's, I would guess, wish that guy the best of luck. It obviously didn't work out in Austin. Didn't work out in river either. Hopefully he can get things right. Um, Cause I did go back and read the, a lot of the stuff that people wrote about 
him when he was originally signed to Austin. I mean, there was a lot of excitement about it, right? Originally. Um, and he, you know, he had had a ton of potential and just never realized it. So maybe he can maybe he can get right with the world Brazil. Well, so let's talk maybe through where we're at right now, just roster wise, with all these moves having been made. So we've got 18 of 20 senior roster spots filled. Um, and on the supplemental, we've assuming that um CJ Fodre signs, which I think is a fairly safe assumption, like that is also uh, was it nine of those ten spots full? So there's not not a lot of supplemental spots left. There's a couple senior spots left. What would you like to see Austin do with those spots? I think I already mentioned earlier that I want to see a winger. Um, and I like with those two spots, I think you could say like even if Rodney doesn't go like doesn't leave, there is still room to put another winger on this roster. I think, I, I don't know that we're sacrificing a lot by using it on a winger as opposed to somewhere else. Um, again, center back, I'd like to see that. And then also, I don't know. Do you think like a fullback maybe? Like, I think it depends. So much depends on like, is Charlie Asensio part of the plans for this year or is he going to go out on loan again? Um, I, like, I think that's a big question is if they believe in him to actually contribute to this team this year then maybe we don't need another fullback but if they don't see him contributing then it almost feels like we should have someone else in right because you've got you got Hector right still is your fourth fullback at that point correct yeah um and so yeah that's putting a lot um on a lot of people and that's the the you know loans are still a possibility so even if we do add two senior roster players and you know fill fill the lineup up fill the roster up there still will be people who go out probably um and positions to fill in i don't know the answer to this can the maybe this gets back into you want to i know you want to go back into the uh super draft a little bit but can austin fc loan players to austin fc too or can they only loan to the usl i don't think they can loan them to i don't austin think they can FC either I don't, I don't think know so. that for a fact but i don't think they can because that seems like that would be a way to like game the entire roster rules if you could loan players down from your first club to your second club. So yeah, imagine, I, 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 I think imagine. I said on this show last week, if you're ever asked, like questioning whether or not something is allowed, if it would allow a team to spend more money than another team wants to, then it's probably not allowed. And this would allow a team to spend a bunch of money. And if a guy doesn't work out, loan him to the two team and buy someone else to fill his roster spot. So I don't think that would be allowed. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think so either. Which so that I mean that that's um, a good reason to still contain, uh, still maintain relationships with like USL clubs and have the ability to move players back and forth to USLs. So maybe you give up that being able to see the player in training every day, but it frees up a roster spot. Yeah. So mentioning the super draft, um, I know we recorded a show the day of the draft, whenever it happened. And then had like a little break for the holidays. And so I after, I wanted to be able to watch a little bit of video on these guys and come back and, and properly talk about uh, some of them. So um, Jackson Walty was the third pick, also at Pitt. He played at Pitt with uh, Noel Valentin. I think I was probably a little bit dismissive of him on that show <laughs> just because of the number he was picked at. Um, after researching him a little bit more, I would really like for this guy to succeed. Uh, he moved all over the world for his dad's job as a kid. I think he lived in India, Brazil, Japan, 
and then finally settled in Switzerland and lived there for 10 years. So he speaks French, uh, another one of like the influx of, of French speakers on the team over this off season. Um, he was not getting noticed by pro academies in Switzerland. And so he decided to come back to the U S and go to Montverde Academy in Florida, which is, um, it's technically a high school, but they, they play either did, or maybe still do play like semi-pro soccer against, uh, professional teams. And they produce a ton of college soccer talent. And so he went there, was still not getting a lot of attention from colleges, but his teammate, uh, Edward Kiza, who was taken really high in the draft last year from, uh, was at Pitt and vouched for him at Pitt. And so it seems like he got a chance to walk on at Pitt just because he's a strong leader and just like a good dude. And Kiza told the coach like, yeah, this guy's solid. You should, (laughs) you should take a look at him. So he got to walk on, um, ended up becoming the captain of the team and setting a record for career minutes played at Pitt. And so it, teammates seem to really love him and respect him. And so I like I don't have any hopes of him signing for the first team, but I, I think it would be cool if he could sign for that second team and kind of become that leader. Like I know Austin has brought in strong leaders to form the first team around. I feel like he could be a guy that could be that like fill that role for the Austin FC two team. Um, Salvatore Mazzaferro with the uh, fourth pick. Uh, I watched some video on him. He reminds me a little bit of Ben Sweat in that he's like decent at everything, but not really a standout at anything. Uh, I, my instinct would say like, maybe he'll get a chance at the Austin FC two team, but if nothing changes from where we're at now, Austin actually has depth at left back. So if Charlie Asensio, ends up playing some minutes on that team, um, then I think he would be the favorite to start. And then former Academy player, Anthony Gonzalez, who has gotten national team call-ups and was on the, in the uh, MLS Academy all-star game last year, he is also a left back. And so uh, Mazzaferro might be challenging, like might have to fight to even get a look to sign for the Austin FC two team, much less the first team. Um, Going back to the first two picks, who we did talk uh, quite a bit about, I was trying to think of people who knew a bit about these guys and was thinking uh, Devin Kerr, who was on the draft show. So anybody who watched the draft, you would recognize Andrew Wiebe and Matt Doyle were on it. But the third guy on there was Devin Kerr, who is a broadcaster, calls a lot of college soccer games. I sent him a DM just saying like, hey, what do you think about Valentin Noel? And do you think like he's actually actually a striker? And Devin was kind enough to jump on the phone with me and actually talk through some of this stuff and share his vast knowledge of the college game with me. Uh, but in short, like he was telling me the things that Noel is good at, good at and the things that he's probably not good enough at to be a nine in MLS. And so I think probably his skill set lends lends most to playing kind of how Driussi does for Austin FC. Um, Most of Valentin Noel's playmaking comes from those spaces where Driussi likes to gravitate towards. Uh, And Noel's probably not big enough, probably not fast enough to be just like an out and out number nine. And so one of uh, Devin's doubts was like, if, if, because he hasn't really played centrally that much, like if he would be able to handle the defensive responsibilities and all of that. So Valentin Noel is going to be an interesting one 
to see if um, if he ends up getting a spot on this team. Uh, another thing that that Devin told me about, like I was asking about, was kind of the relationship between this Austin FC two team, uh, the first team, USL and college, and kind of where these things all fit together in the landscape. And I think this was the most interesting part of the conversation is that USL is still a higher level of soccer than MLS Next Pro. And so there may be players who come out of college and are not ready for the first team, but are maybe too good for the next pro team. And so a guy like Fodre, Devin didn't say this outright, but a guy like Fodre could fall into that category where uh, he's going to get that contract because he's Generation Adidas, but instead of playing him on the the MLS Next Pro team, maybe he gets a loan to USL. Uh, maybe he goes back to the Loyal. He already has connections there. Like, and So I, I was kind of, I think we had been talking about this is like, they don't make the first team, they'll be on the second team. And I don't, like Devin made it seem like, I don't, don't think that it's going to be so straightforward like that. Like some of these guys may end up in USL instead of the Austin FC2 team. So I... All that being said, I have no idea what's going to happen with these guys. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody just probably draws the tie to like baseball because that's the, the the league that has the most developed minor league system, right? And yeah. the, and that's like a and it's a but there's no competition, right? Like so, if you look at uh, MLS Next Pro is AAA, like there's independent leagues and stuff that are that are nothing like the same level of that. So that's probably where people get hung up in terms of not really understanding where USL fits in the scheme of things and and how uh, somebody might compete and sort of move up and down the the pyramid anything else on the super draft before we take a break no let's take a break we've kind of handled went through the player additions and departures and austin had a very very busy week news wise outside of that so i think after the break we will get into everything else that happened when Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Property Group. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. You can find Sage Wilson Property Group at sagewilson.com. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to FVF.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FVF.law. All right, we are back with the remaining Austin FC team news of last week. Uh, Just a couple of days ago, what is that account called? Footy Headlines? Yes. Uh, They posted a picture of exactly what the 2023 Austin FC home kits look like, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly what they would look like <laughs> as imagined by the Faults 9, which is, if you know anything about the Faults 9, it's not at all what the Austin FC kit was going to look like. Yeah, so the False 9 Twitter account posted that they had seen the the kit and then went on like in that thread to say like, give like a few hints about what it looked like. And footy headlines took that. And I was thinking like, okay, they saw that and then like reached out to the false nine, talked to them, got a description of it and made this mock-up. 
which seems to not be the case at all, right? It doesn't seem like they talked to anybody from the false no, line. No, I don't believe read so. read that tweet thread and then got an old Barcelona kit and just made it green and black instead of red and blue. Right, exactly. And it was it, it was even a with the Barcelona kit was a Nike kit, right? It was it was yeah. it was even the right brand. Yeah, so um if you see that on Twitter, know that that is almost certainly not what the shirt is going to look like other than that it's green and black and probably has some stripes on it. Probably has stripes. Well, I, you know, people always post concept kits online. I feel like I see a ton of them all over social media. Like what how do you feel about them? I I don't I do not I don't get it. It's not like something I want to spend my, a lot of my time thinking about. Yeah, I mean, I I get why people do it. I used to have a lot of fun in like um Madden football games, like creating teams and we used to be able to like create a team and design their their uniforms and stuff. I really like doing stuff like that. So I understand the appeal, but um I guess I also know that like whatever I make is not going to have any effect on what the real one looks like. Yeah, and you'd ultimately know, like, when people people always get really super creative and out there on that stuff, and there's not been a lot of history, particularly with Adidas MLS kits, that any of those, that it's anything is going to look anything like that. Do we know any more about when we might see the actual kit? It seems like maybe uh, maybe late January seems to be. I mean, it seems like that would be the latest they really could put them out, right? Like, you want to have them on sale a few weeks at least before the season starts, so... Yeah, I, I, we've still not gotten any real concrete information, but you'd have to think by then at the very latest. Um, I think one other thing that came up, uh, this is, it came up because practice started today, but there was a video last night. Sebastian Giussi is officially number 10, um, which is particularly meaningful given where he's from. But I, th- I thought that was a cool way to to throw that little video together and do that. Yeah, it really was. And, and people were saying that it was... I guess noted that it was kind of weird that it came out on a Sunday night, but media was invited to training today. And so everyone was going to see the numbers on their, on their training kits. And so that, I think that's probably why they did it then. Um, I'm, I don't know. I I've said on the show that like, I don't care much about like the traditional numbers and I almost prefer the weird numbers. And so I would honestly prefer number 25 drew UC <laughs> to number 10 drew UC. But if the number 10 is important to anybody. It's important to Argentinian creative midfielders. And like, if anybody on the team is going to have it, like it should be Driussi. And I think like, this is the best way someone can get that number is to come onto a team, absolutely destroy the league and then be given that number as a reward almost. Yeah, and I think if anybody was going to make a comment on that number and say that getting that number will make that person even more obnoxious, Danny Pereira's comment on the Instagram post <laughs> was perfect. I think that's generally what he said, right? It's something about like this will make you even more annoying or more, uh, yeah, more disagreeable or whatever with it, which was just a beautiful response from Danny <laughs> to like a really special moment, probably for GUC. Yeah, so I I know last year when Rigoni was signed, he was saying that he was going to take number ten, and then said it was not available for whatever reason. And so, uh, and then the club gave him some other number and he said he didn't like it. And so he ended up sticking with 77, which is what he was wearing in Brazil. And so it looks like now he will be wearing number seven, which is what Drew had last season. 
Jossi Zardes is wearing number nine, which is something I was keeping an eye on because looking back, he has only ever worn the number nine for the national team. He's not worn it at any club stop. I think he was 11 and maybe 39, some weird number, but it was those two at all of his MLS clubs. It was one of those two numbers. And so, I, yeah, I was curious if he would try to pick one of the weird ones again or if he would take nine because it was available because that was Houston's number. Um, but, yeah, Zarda's going to be nine. So it seems like the numbers on the team are getting more and more traditional with each year. I was going to say, they are slowly conforming at this point now, right? We've got a nine. Yeah, we've got six, seven, eight, nine sort of playing in the roles as you usually see. Um, Ten also like in a traditional role. So... Yeah, there's other other than there's like a lot of random numbers in the teens, I think, right? Because so Gallagher, Cascante, um, Diego is a number in the teens. But yeah, there's not a lot of crazy numbers out there anymore. What number was uh, Ruben was number four? Yes. So that's the number Vicenin wears with the Finnish national team. I think he was number 15 for Elspork, but... I think he wore four for the national team. So maybe he slides in and just takes that number over from Ruben. Um, I I think that's maybe that's another thing. We probably should have mentioned it earlier, but we don't know when Vicenin going to get here, right? Right. That uh, The press release, that was the part where it didn't read out of that, said it was uh, pending his P1 visa. Uh, and Ruben, we went back and looked. Last week, it was about three... Last year, it was about three weeks between the announcement of the signing and when he made it in, which was like the night of the friendly, I think, right? The preseason friendly or something like that. Cause I can't remember something on TV. I, it was, I think maybe the night before the first MLS game, cause you did not play in the first two MLS games. That's right. So looking at, so luckily Vicen signed a little bit earlier in January than Ruben did. So there's a little bit of an opportunity that maybe three weeks from today would be first week in February. Maybe he makes it in in time to, to be there and get a little bit of practice time before playing in the first match. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, yeah. The if it takes the same amount of time, luckily we got a bit of a head start on it, as opposed to with having to push it pretty tight with Ruben. So, yeah, we'll see. Like, like we always said, we have no idea what uh, immigration laws or offices will will do in a given cert, uh, given situation. So, hopefully, he's here sooner rather than later. So, Austin FC. We've mentioned this several times. There's a lot of news last week, and I feel like maybe the club was trying to distract away from a piece of news that we will get into. I think probably it's the last topic of the show, but one of the other things was um, on Tuesday, uh, they announced changes to technical staff. And that was that Nolan Sheldon, who was an assistant coach in 2021 and 2022 has moved to the role of technical advisor um, and will work with making sure that the Academy first team, second team, all sort of are aligned on philosophy and methodology, um, which it's an important thing in terms of like building a, a project and a program that are all connected. Um, and he will be replaced by Terry boss who joined as the first team assistant coach after being the men's soccer head coach at Oregon state. He was the PAC 12 coach of the year in 2018 and 2021. Um, coach Sofian Jafal, who Austin recently acquired um, when he was a college coach and apparently has a really good reputation from what I've heard from people who know a little bit about men's college soccer, which is, not that deep of a pool of people. Yeah, it, it seems that he does. And like, this is not an uncommon route in U.S. soccer. It seems like a lot of the current 
best coaches in the league or current best U.S. coaches, a lot of them did coach in, in college for a bit. And so, um, yeah, I think he's only 41 years old. And so this is kind of seems to be like a step up in his career as far as what level he's coaching at, but seems to be well-respected at Oregon State. Uh, and then as far as Nolan Sheldon's move, he was one of the assistant coaches alongside Rodrigo Rios and um, Davey Arnault. And so I think that makes a lot of sense as well, having someone who is already very familiar with the first team, how Wolf wants to play, to be able to kind of to like homogenize the system in that way and make sure that like that link from the lowest levels to the highest levels is happening all the way through. So uh, we don't know a ton about what these guys do or how good they actually are at it because we just don't get to see inside that world very often. But um, it it's good to see that it seems like Austin is like thinking about these things strategically and not just grabbing guys that are available from wherever it's like, Oh, is there like an Academy around town that we can pick a coach up from? Okay. You'll do like, I think that's the way a lot of MLS clubs have operated for a long time. And it, it seems like Austin is being a bit more ambitious in that with these kinds of signings. So uh, hopefully that's good. And hopefully that uh, bears some fruit for Austin FC going forward. Yeah. And then we talked about uh, preseason schedule. It's a little bit different this year. I think last year there was a rumor that everybody was going to go to Florida and then I think COVID or Arizona or somewhere. And then COVID kind of blew it all up this year. Austin's going to have a seven week preseason. Austin will play at least four preseason matches. So that leads one to believe that there may be other matches that have yet to be announced. Um, started Dave, St. David's Performance Center, which is where they are now. Then they will travel to Florida to the IMG Academy. Um, they will be in Florida from January 16th to 27th. IMG on the first six days, five days in Orlando. So their first two preseason matches are in Florida against Philadelphia Union and FC Cincinnati. Then they will play on February 4th against El Paso Locomotive back at St. David's Performance Center. February 11th against Louisville City FC at St. David's Performance Center. They are all closed doors, but what what was what was your quote, Landon? Oh, <laughs> uh, our hill is taller than your door. <laughs> there you go. So, I believe there's already at least one Slack channel dedicated to people hanging out on the hill and watching preseason matches. Yeah, and I think as far as like other ones that could be added, I'm doing this from memory, so I could be wrong, but I feel like last year there was a a friendly with the fire and maybe with Toronto that were added on to the slate late on because those teams ended up coming to Austin and training in Austin for a while during the preseason. And so maybe something like that'll happen again where an, uh, an MLS team gets pulled in or maybe a a few teams up North come down to train here or something like that. I'm not sure where all the teams are training. So maybe that's not even possible, but you would think any additional games would get added on to the back end of that. Yeah, and there's a two-week gap between this Louisville City game and Austin FC's first regular season games, which leads one to believe that some, I mean, something's going to happen the next weekend. I don't, I don't know why. I think but. there was also, um, I think last year there was also like a game the day after a friendly where some of the guys who didn't get minutes in the real game, like I think we like went and played in Houston maybe, and then they came back in the next day, the... Uh, like essentially backup guys all got some minutes against a USL team or something like that. So maybe something like that as well. Yep. 
And then another announcement that we got was Austin FC2 has players. I believe Austin FC2 has three official players. These are the first three folks that have been signed to uh, MLS Next Pro contracts. Is that right? That's right. And uh, I tried to watch a little bit of video on some of these guys, but um, don't know a ton about them. Don't know how good they're going to fit in. But uh, Jake Torre was one that we had talked about. There's some rumors floating around about him a few weeks ago. Uh, I think one thing that we kind of speculated that ended up being true is they didn't announce him as a fullback. And so he was a winger for a lot, I guess all of his career. And the last few games he played for young PSV, he was playing right back and that's how they announced him in this one. So it does look like that's where they're going to look at him. Uh, Bobosi Biaruwanga is one of the other players. Uh, He is, I think probably like an attacking midfielder from what, I saw a video I saw of him. Uh, he's from Uganda. Is that right? He's from Uganda. He's 21. And in 2021, he won the Male Player of the Year Award for the country and has uh, 11 appearances for the Ugandan senior men's national team. So he's a full international too, which is, I, I don't know. It's cool. I don't, I don't know what it means exactly. And he plays for Vipers SC, which is also a cool name for a team. <laughs> Yeah, and the other one is uh, David Rodriguez, who um, was in the FC Dallas system playing for North Texas SC uh, in USL and the USL League One, sorry, uh, and then was playing in Mexico with uh, Atlético San Luis. It doesn't seem like he was getting a lot of time there, and so again, like who knows what this guy's going to look like, but with all three of these guys, I think one thing that maybe it says is like they're gonna like they're taking the competition of of this MLS Next Pro team seriously because they could have just brought up a bunch of academy players or um, brought in like out of contract USL guys or whatever. Like they, it feels like they could have been a little more lazy with with filling this second team. And the fact that they're bringing in guys from other countries um, that are already playing as professionals, like it seems like they are going to like Academy kids are going to have to fight for their, their spots on this team. And they're going to really try to make this team competitive and bring in guys who have a chance of at some point playing for the first team. Yeah. These guys are 21, 21 and 20. So there's definitely the, the potential to develop. So the quote in here is from, uh, you know about the signings is from Austin FC director of player personnel Sean Rubio, and I feel like we say Sean Rubio's name a lot on this show, or we talk about it a lot. But like, I don't. Do you think everybody like even knows who Sean is, or like what what his role in the club is? Like, I think I feel like it's worth spending a little bit of time on. I think it's worth saying again. So, uh, I think you just said his title. What is it again? Director of player personnel. Yeah, and so I don't know that we know exactly all that he does, but he's very much involved in the roster building side of the team. And so um, like the stuff that Claudio Reyna is in the end, the decision maker on and kind of in charge of, of that part of building the club, Sean Rubio is very much a part of that process as well, as far as working with the scouts, um, looking at Academy players and seeing which ones are going to be ready to, to move up to various levels throughout the, the club. So uh, yeah, he he's seems to be one of the people tapped to build this MLS Next Pro team, and 
Uh, yeah, it, again, it looks like they're they're searching far and wide to fill this team, which is is pretty cool to see. Yeah, and then we talked about the the academy players uh, just earlier a little bit too, and like where they might fit. So we had another announcement. So Micah Burton, Irvin Torres, sort of regular call ups to youth national teams, I think. Um, along with Gavin Wolf, were called up to the U.S. men's youth national teams on January fourth, on Wednesday of last week. So I think we've talked about Micah and Irvin a lot. Um, we haven't talked about Gavin a ton. I know you've seen him play some. What I remember you saying he was huge for his yeah. age. And that's really <laughs> the thing I remember the most about him. Did you want to say anything else about any of those players? Uh, not much. It's just it just surprised me whenever I was like, wait, which one is Wolf Kid? I know he's on this team. And then because just thinking, okay, Tyler Wolf is like a striker slash winger. Uh, Owen Wolf is box to box midfielder. And then looking for like a kid. And then Josh Wolf was a striker. And you you know how those guys are built. They're all similarly built, like athletic, like not super big, but like smaller, like quick athletic guys. And then looking out in the field and like, wait, that's the wolf. And he's like one of the biggest kids on the team, huge center back, but uh, good with the ball. Uh, I think I've mentioned this on the, on the show a few times, but the game I was at, he scored a banger free kick. Like it's a like set piece specialist center back Gavin Wolf, but yeah, hopefully he, he continues to get call-ins, but it's great to see more and more Austin kids get called in every time there's a national team camp. Yeah, so it's up to uh, seven now players that have gotten a uh, national team call-up. So it's it's um, they seem to be developing a lot of depth throughout the academy. It's good to see it's not like just one or one or two guys. All right, so I think you referenced this a bit earlier, but there was some, uh, I guess, mostly national team-focused drama, but included Austin FC sporting director Claudio Reyna. It, yes, there was. And I had to, I was trying to explain this story to my wife and like, I eventually had to just like draw a picture of all the people involved. Um, so where, where, where does one even begin? I think we should start with the statement by Greg Berhalter because that, it kind of came out of nowhere, right? Um, it goes back even further. I guess in December 11th, there was a statement leaked from some, I don't even know what this event was. It was supposed to be like behind closed doors where Greg Berhalter was at this event speaking to some people. It's a, le- it's a leadership conference. And, and he- it, it comes out from that conference saying that like he was talking about how he had to deal with a player who had an attitude problem. And they told him that like considered sending him home. He ended up apologizing to his teammates. Uh, very clearly talking about Gio Reyna in this circumstance. And it was a thing that like he probably shouldn't have been saying to anybody anywhere even if he did believe it was off quote unquote off the record it was a place where a lot of people you don't know were listening to you talking about a very high profile thing like it's going to get out and it did get out and so this started a lot of drama just within the national team anyway then uh, last week Greg Berhalter puts out a statement saying that um, how, how should we sum this up essentially saying that somebody was trying to blackmail him uh, based on something that had happened in his past. And it was uh, an instance of like domestic violence, more or less. It was when he was 18 years old, kicked his then girlfriend, eventually became wife in an argument at a bar. And this is all, again, 
just out of the blue, a statement. And then, well, and U.S. Soccer came out with a statement too that same day that said something. People from outside the the organization were trying to to you know get to people from inside the organization about you know about this blackmail thing. But yeah, it was super weird. And then the conspiracy theories started saying that well, you know, maybe it was the Reynas like getting back for what Greg said about Geo, and then a story came out in the athletic and that's exactly what it was. Yeah. And so, I mean, like we're not doing a great job of (laughs) of explaining this whole thing, which it's a hard thing to explain, but I think putting it in an Austin FC lens, I think a lot of people here were wanted to know, like, what does this mean for Austin FC and Claudio Reyna? Like, is he going to get fired? Do we need to find a new sporting director? What does it mean? And I, I think when looking at the initial claims by Greg Berhalter, it seemed like a really serious thing that like Claudio like, yeah, Claudio maybe, was trying to blackmail Greg Berhalter, right? It's like yeah, the way it was presented. Maybe, maybe Reyna's going to lose his job here, and I think as more information comes out, uh, the statement specifically from Danielle Reyna, um, his wife and Gio's mother, uh, it, it sh- sh- definitely downplayed it, made it seem less like blackmailed it's probably i think the like the real like the truth is probably somewhere in between those two stories as far as claudio reina's future with the team i i think where it's probably going to land barring any new information coming out it probably is going to end up where claudio reina keeps his job but it's a very embarrassing thing for he and his family to have come out and they're going to have to live with that and there's going to be um maybe not repercussions in the sense of him being fired or or anything like that, but they're going to be dealing with it for a while, probably. Right. And going way back, what make this super awkward is Claudio and Greg have been playing together since they were what, 14 years old or something. Yeah. Through the national team. One of them was in the other one's wedding. Maybe they were both in each other's weddings. Maybe somebody's a guy. And then uh, their wives both played college soccer together at North Carolina. So these are not just like two, random families that happen to both have like national team connections. Yeah. And, and also like, it's not, um, it's not Danielle Reyna going out of her way to talk to the sporting director for us soccer specifically. It's like, Oh, it's Ernie who I've known since I was 18. Like it, it's all very complicated. And I think it's maybe part of the issue with us soccer at the moment is that all these people have been friends since they were kids, which uh, is Maybe not the best thing in situations like this. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that we talked about off mic, and I guess that's maybe the other Austin, the other uh, Austin FC connection. To that is Josh Wolf is very much a part of that group of people who have been like you know that late nineties, early two thousands U.S. Men's National Team that basically runs the whole organization from the coach to the front office to the pr- players to you know every, to to everybody else. Yeah, you you have to think about just like on a personal level, like <laughs> where he like what he feels about all of this. I'm sure it puts him in a really weird situation because he was very close with Greg Berhalter, of course. They worked side by side for several years, and now he's doing the same thing more or less with Claudio Reyna. And so, um, I'm sure it's awkward in a on a personal level for him. But as far as like the professional side of it, like. Again, like I said, there may be more information come out that we don't know about that makes it look even worse for the Reynas. But at the moment, it seems like it's, it makes them look bad. It's embarrassing, but I don't know 
if what we know right now is likely to get him fired. Yeah, I would agree. I would be very surprised about that. And it is, and there is an investigation by U.S. Soccer. Who knows if or when we'll ever see the final report or what's in it. But I think you're right. Given the information we have right now, like it doesn't seem like there's a lot that Claudio should be worried about. All right. Anything else, Jeremiah? No, I think we ended up with the weirdest story of the week. So let's, <laughs> wait. I guess are you going to the go to the the, uh, the game today, or I guess the game tomorrow in recording time and uh, today in release time? This is a thing I need to decide. Um, Ashley's out of town. She's usually who I go to games with. You're unable to go to the game, right? And so if I'm gonna go, I need to find someone to sit with or go sit by myself. I'm also Ashley's out of town, and I have the dog by myself, and so. Maybe I'll sit home. Who knows? But I'll, I'll be making this decision at some point on Tuesday whether or not I buy a ticket and go to that game or not. Well, it should be. I, I think that'll be a, it'll be an interesting crowd because there's going to be a lot of people who don't normally go to Austin FC games, right? Like those clubs have international fan bases and they've got a lot of fans here in Austin that are never going to show to show up to an MLS match. And I, um, I imagine people are traveling as well. I think the the River fan group is saying people there's like hundreds of them coming from all over the country. And then Rayados will will be drawing people probably from other parts of Texas, if not other parts of the country as well. Um, so yeah, looking at ticket prices, it seems like it's going to be well attended and uh, probably one of the more exciting friendlies that that's happened at Q two. So hopefully we'll we'll hear about it or read about it or <laughs> or something. So all right, let's close it out. All right, before we wrap up, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and come find us on Twitter. I'm at LVAHero87. Jeremiah is at jbentley underscore ATX. And then we're at Moon Tower Soccer on Twitter and Instagram. Um, sign up for the Patreon. And then we'd also encourage you to check out the Striker, where you can get a 30% discount using Moon Tower 22 with a capital M. Jeremiah, what should folks look out for there? Well, Phil West published an article. Uh, on Monday, the ninth day, Austin FC embarks on the longest season in MLS history. And I think we've talked about all the competitions that Austin's going to be involved in. Um, but Phil does a really good job of laying that out and laying out the way the club's preparing for it. So I would encourage everybody to check that article out. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that today. It's like, it's going to be like a less intense year because there's not as many uh, midweek games uh, unless we go far in the Open Cup, and unless we go far in Champions League, and unless this happens, and, and there's a whole month and, that nobody's yeah. ever experienced, and then also it's going to happen for most of the like almost the whole year, and so <laughs> I think it's going to be intense in different ways than the last couple of years uh, have been, but still intense nonetheless. All right, well, thanks so much for listening. We will be back in one week with another episode of Moon Tower Soccer. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is Think for nothing, you never. La gente. Oh my God.